We are in our second week of our Lenten sermon series called Humanity's Condition. And last week we considered the shame that we face in our disobedience to God. And we, as we read about that in, in the Garden of Eden story in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. We continue this um, consideration of what it means to be human, this condition that we live with and have lived with for thousands upon thousands of years. This um, week we're taking a different t um, story from the Old Testament, a different uh, narrative, and seeing what that tells us. You know, when I, and when I think about the particular story in front of us today, I want to ask you, what do you think about when you hear the phrase or the words, the Tower of Babel? What comes to your mind? What's that? Foolishness. Confusion, foolishness, confusion. Other ideas? Really? We don't think of anything? Tall building. There we go. Arrogance. Thank you, yes. You know, when I, when I think about this um, whole idea about the, the Tower of, of Babel... I, I, I go to, um, a, some time ago, years ago, Leanne and I had just gotten married, had been married a few months, and, and um, I took it upon myself to invite a friend of mine named Ed and his wife um, to join uh, Leanne and I at my parents' house for a dinner. We had a little dinner party. It was just the, these three couples gathered together for a fish fry. My dad wanted to have a fish fry. He had some fish, and I may have been grouper, could have been brim, could have been bass. I have no idea what it was, but it was, um, it was an opportunity to gather, and I thought it would be a great idea if Ed and his wife joined us for this time just to, just to be able to, to fellowship and to share a table together. And um, Now, we're from the same place, roughly. We're, we were all from Florida. Uh, well, most of us were. Leanna's from Jackson, Alabama. Um, but we all lived in Florida, and Ed and his wife were from South Florida. They were from Miami. And my parents, as you well know from the stories I've told, are from St. Mark's, Florida. Well, these are a world apart in multiple ways. So as we sat at this table with this mounds of food in front of us, we began to have conversations around the dinner table. And we didn't understand anything that was happening. My parents were trying to have a conversation with Ed and his wife. They didn't understand anything they were saying. Their accents were too thick. The words they were using were not familiar. And the same was true from Ed and his wife's side. My parents didn't get it. Leanne and I spent the entire evening being translators at the table. It's the last time I invited Ed and his wife to a dinner with my parents. It was too much work. It was not that enjoyable. I love both of these. I love Ed and his wife. I love my parents. But we just could not, could not understand each other. And I think about, well, here we are, we were of one language, as what the scriptures will say, we were of one lip. We, had, we spoke the same language. But we did not get it. And that has always stuck with me, this, 
this whole idea that we were of one people, of one language, but we were confused. And it took an intermediary between my parents and Ed and his wife to have any kind of understanding. Now, this plays out in our biblical passage today. And we have things like foolishness, confusion, a tall tower. In fact, in the scriptures it says the, the top of this tower that was the head and it reached the clouds. The head of the tower was in the heavens. Now keep this in mind. We're going to read nine verses from chapter 11. And this is a very familiar story. Maybe it's too familiar that we miss things. So I want us to hear this story anew. So just close your eyes and just, just hear the story. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. May God bless the reading of the word. Well, this is this familiar story. We're not sure what the tower looked like. Scholars disagree, but the prevailing argument it was probably a ziggurat like a pyramid, but it had slopes and stairwells going up the side. It was a, if it was a ziggurat, it was a place of worship. It was a tower, a throne for God. This was a popular, a common uh, building in the area of Shinar. This would have been the place where God rested. And so the the story goes that they built this city and they built this tower in the midst of the city so that they would not be scattered over to the ends of the earth. 
that they would have a name for themselves. Arrogance. Foolishness. Confusion. It's played out in this story. Now, we can pull a lot out of just these nine verses. We can talk about the pride of humanity and how we think we can do anything. If we all work together, we can, we can accomplish anything. And that's what God says. They are one people. They have one language. And left to their own ends, they will accomplish anything that they set their minds to. There's also the idea that they were trying to build this tower to reach God, to reach the heavens, to reach the divine. Their own way of reaching the divine. Not God's way. There's also this whole notion in here that they, have, that they were going to secure themselves. They would have a sense of unity and a sense of security if they could be in one place. One people. homogeneity that just didn't really exist. If they could have one language, one culture, one society, one people, they would never have to do anything but be in that one place and live in that one place, worship and work in that one place. It's not what happened. Their fear became their future as God scatters the people to the ends of the earth. But there's more to this. If we back up a little bit and move outside this internal context of these nine verses and back up to chapter 10, there's a lot going on and it gets a little more fun. I want to back us up to uh, chapter 10. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, it says in ch chapter 10, verse 1 of Genesis, These are the descendants of Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Children were born to them after the flood. And then it picks up in verse 6. The descendants of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The descendants of Cush are Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabtika. The descendants of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan, Cush. And listen here, in verse 8, Cush became the father of Nimrod. You ever called someone a Nimrod? You ever been called a Nimrod? He was the first on the earth to become a mighty warrior. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, and Akkad. All of them in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehobothar, Kalah, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kalah. That is the great city. Egypt became the father of Ludim, Anamim, Lehabim, Nephethim, Patrusim, Kalsuhim, and Kephatorim, from which the Philistines come. In this paragraph, in these few verses, we hear the enemies of ancient Israel, Assyria, Babylonia, the 
the Philistines, Egypt, are all being played out. And they come from Cush in the land of Shinar, which is where Babel, the city and the tower, were being built by Nimrod. And what comes out of this effort, what comes out of this context, is nothing less than confusion, foolishness, pride, arrogance. And we find God coming down to see what humanity is doing under this false pretense of unity, a unified vision of a great city and a tall tower that would be a testament to themselves, that they would have a name for themselves and would have a place for themselves that they would never have to leave. And God sees what's happening in his creation, his good creation, and how humanity has moved away from his call and his purpose for humanity to tend the earth, to be stewards, servants of the creation, this good creation, and to populate the earth, to spread God's will over the earth. No, humanity had a different plan. A plan that would be, well, it would be unified under a plan of homogeneity, of of being of like mind, of like people, of like language, of like culture. And God sees this and says, that's not what this is about. That's not what this creation is about. This is not what humanity is about. That's not why I created you. And so in in our fear of being scattered and having no name, God scatters the people, scatters us, sends us, if you will, into the world. And in this sending, in this scattering, we can feel afraid. We can feel lonely. We can feel confused. We can even feel foolish. And that's the human condition. Because the human condition has to wrestle with the whole notion of unity and diversity. We have to. We have to within our own church. We have to within the greater church. We have to within our our city and our neighborhoods and our state and our country and the entire world. We have to deal with diversity and unity. And left to our own devices, we are like Nimrod, which means rebel. We will lead to rebellion. So how are we to deal with with this whole notion of of the diversity of God's creation and God's call to some sense of unity. I think the answer is found in the opening passages of Genesis. And it's found throughout the entire scripture that we are called to be in a relationship with God and with one another. A relationship that walks with God, talks with God, is at peace with God, obeys God. Which finds us being sent 
out into the world where it can be scary and uncomfortable. It can feel lonely. It can feel confusing. But here's the good news. God is quite aware of it. God understands our confusion. God understands our loneliness. God understands our fears and sends Christ into the middle of all of it. So that we can understand the diversity of God's creation and we can understand the diversity of humanity and we can find unity in Christ, in Christ alone. And when we find that kind of unity, we can be sent into the world like sheep among the wolves. As the 70 were sent by Christ, as the Spirit sent out the disciples into the empire, as the Spirit led Paul all over the empire, the Spirit of God leads us to be scattered and sent all over the world to bring unity through Christ. So, as we think about what it means to be sent, I am drawn to an occasion uh, a few years ago when I was ordained as an elder in United Methodist Church. It's understood and we agree to this covenant that we are in a ministry of being sent by God into the world. United Methodist ministers don't get to choose where they go, when they go. They're sent. It's a model of the church. That the church is being sent into the world to proclaim God's mercy and God's love and grace for the whole world. So when I was ordained, I made a promise that I would go wherever I'm sent. And in that first appointment, when I was sent away from where I was comfortable in Dothan, I was sent to Trinity United Methodist Church in Fort Walton Beach, which I didn't even know existed. I was sent to a foreign place, an unfamiliar place, and it was scary. It was uncomfortable. I'm not a really a beach kind of person. I'm not in the tourist kind of town. I'm from the Big Bend of Florida. It's kind of its own thing. But I agreed to this ministry and I promised to uphold that ministry and to go wherever I'm sent. And don't read too much. And I'm not going anywhere. This is not a prelude. No, I'm here. For better or worse, you got me. For the foreseeable future. I just I talk about this because this is how I understand God coming in to scatter the people. It allowed humanity. It forced humanity to do God's will. Now we can still rebel. We can still be Nimrods and say we're going to stay where I am and, and build what I have with what I have and what I know and, and what I'm comfortable with. Or we can follow God's leading and God's urging to go out into the world where it's uncomfortable and scary 
and see a world that is diverse and is, is, is beautiful in its variety and be in ministry there and show how we are unified in all of our diversity through Jesus Christ. So maybe the human condition is about being foolish and it's about being afraid and it's about seeking unity where there really isn't unity and rebelling against where we find unity, which is in God, in Christ. And maybe it's about pushing against our differences. Maybe that's the human condition that we have to struggle with, that we wrestle with. That we all do. And the good news that we have as, as humans, as mortals, is that God is with us. God understands our weakness, understands our drives, our intentions, our motivations, and our brokenness. He comes in the middle of all this diversity and says, here we have unity in Christ and in Christ alone. That is the good news. And that's what we sang about when we lift high the cross. It's the cross of Christ. No matter who we are, where we are, what we look like, what we sound like, what we do. How, no matter how broken we are, we find unity at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And that's what we celebrate and what we sing about and what we pray about. And that's what sends us into the world. The cross of Christ. The death and the resurrection of Christ. And that's what brings us to Easter. Oh, we look forward to Easter to get out of the Old Testament stories and into the New Testament stories to celebrate the empty tomb. We have to know why there is an empty tomb, why that's so important. That's our human condition. And then today, that human condition, according to Babel, it's about arrogance and pride. It's about foolishness. It's about building ourselves up in such a way that we can't sustain it. It's about not embracing our diversities and finding unity in Christ, but rather embracing our unity of humanity and rejecting the diversity. So, as we move through Lent, wrestle, fight for the unity in Christ. Fight against the, the, the unity in humanity. It's just not there. But what is there is Christ and the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. That's our unity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.